Hey guys, and we are back for another episode of STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. If you're new to the podcast, we thank you for joining. And uh, coming back on board for another episode, we thank you as well for for tuning in again. And yeah, so um, if you're using this podcast to power your jog or workout, uh, getting you through another day at the office, again, we are glad you are with us. Yeah, so we have a lot to unpack today, a lot to unpack. This this ongoing discussion of the mutiny, I will talk about that as well as this idea of spores. Yeah, I think we're going to have some interesting conversations around that. I'm really semi-confused, but halfway intrigued. I guess we'll see. And also this mysterious Lorca. Um, man, he is, he is, uh, some character and, I have a feeling we have a lot to say about that as well. So uh, before we go any further, I will introduce the other people on the panel today. Uh, the Trek historian himself, Jonathan Shorts. John, how are you doing, man? Doing great, man. How are you? Oh, man, I'm I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be on again, man. Yeah. Yes, yes we survive another episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also on the show... Once again, we have the the historian, Cal Jones. Cal, how you doing, dude? Dude, I am like, you know, every time I hear that name, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I I'm just like wanting to come on here no more than just to hear the who story. And I, I mean, that is cool. I like that. But yeah, glad to be here. And I have a feeling I'm going to have a different opinion of this episode than you guys. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys think. So yeah, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and um, man, well, let me ask you first, how you guys week been? Y'all have any interesting thing you want to talk about that's been going on over the last week? No? Nothing on this end. Uh, for me, uh, you and I and our friend Lee recorded uh, on Tuesday night. We did a uh, review, which will be coming out in the next couple of days, for Discussing Who of the Five Doctors, which was really, really cool because that was another classic who episode that you haven't seen yet right yeah 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 that was a ton of fun and then last night so so i've kind of had a busy week uh last night i did an interview with a um doctor who well not just doctor who she does game of thrones she does um she let's see she does game of thrones she's done all the marvel netflix shows and the walking dead she's actually uh after talking with her, I'm going to watch at least one episode of The Walking Dead. But her, her name is Jessica, and she does a YouTube channel called Seska Says. And really cool to talk to her last night. So, yeah, I've kind of had, a honestly, a busy week. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by the interview, and I can't wait to listen. Uh, hopefully, you guys got in some of the, the business of being a YouTuber. So, um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, she did. She She gave some good insight, to be honest with you. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. So, um, yeah, uh, do you guys just want to go ahead and dive into the episode? Beam us aboard. Let's go for it. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, we start off with this scene where uh, Burnham is on this prison transport, and they run into a bit of trouble. Ah, oh, man. So what do we guys think of this scene? Thoughts? Um... No, I mean not really. It was a, it was a. Uh, I watched the After Trick episode of it, and they were praising the writers for that particular scene for doing such a great job in during that scene, and that was a pretty good. It was a pretty good scene. I mean, outside of the actual writers of Star Trek doing it, so I mean, wasn't much about it. It kind of went as I would have expected it to go. There was no surprises there, really. Well, I, I don't know. I, I might, I might, uh, question that. <laughs> I do think, well, two things. Well, first of all, the fact that the cap, well, not the captain, whoever was flying the vessel, the, the pilot, I was shocked by the fact that they went, I'm presuming outside of the, the ship to do something. We had this bacteria eating alien that was kind of, I guess, destroying the ship. And of course. So- of course, so she feeding. went. So she went outside the ship, right? I don't know if she yeah, went the, outside or got the bacteria. Out. Go ahead. The bacteria they were talking about was a energy f- uh, feeding life form. It feeds off the energy of the ship, 
And as long as those, and they call them, actually, I thought I may have heard them say lighting bugs or something. But anyway, if the pilot was going out to try to kill those whatever bugs or bacteria that was there, which would have ended up taking all the energy from life support and they would have suffocated or froze to death. It was Michael's determination. Yeah. And mm, yeah. What do you think, Cal? You know, I was sitting, you know, and, and, and this is going to come across as I'm trying to make a joke, but I really wasn't. But it's funny that you said what you did about the, the captain or whoever it was walking outside. And, and, uh, you know, if our friend Lee is listening to us, uh, you know, he'll get this joke, which is, you know, I was thinking, okay, she's hearing voices. She's going outside. But, um, but anyway, <laughs> he, uh, Lee would get that, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I thought that scene was really good. I liked how even though they were in this distress, Burnham was uh had the very Vulcan demeanor about her. She was, you know, rock solid and didn't falter. <laughs> she just had this, you know, oh well, we're gonna die, whatever. I've seen it all. It's you know, uh, showing that Vulcan side of her upbringing, which I thought was really I, cool. See, I didn't I, even take it as Vulcan. What about you, Jonathan? I took it as almost like suicidal type. Huh. Bingo. Wow. Bingo. That's I, how I, exactly I felt it. Hmm. I think she was just like, well, you know, there's nothing else left for me. So if this is the way it is, then it's the way it is. Because I think with her Vulcan strength and knowledge and logic, if she wanted to, she could have figured a way out of that situation. But she didn't even try. And it just kind of seemed like she was accepting her fate. Well, they were shackled, I, like, so, yep. um, you know, that, that's interesting because I felt that the way she explained what was going on, she was being, you know, very Vulcan and analytical about it, you know. I, I don't know, but I do like that perspective of that she's had it, and if it's going to end, it's going to end. Cool. And I love the gold jumpsuit. I thought it was awesome. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, 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 I didn't get, why did she get the special gold? If she, you know, if she is, um, you know, she's the mutineer as they were, unless they were like, this was like a scarlet letter, so to speak, if that was what that was intended for. But why did she have a designation different from the other, uh, prisoners? Because she was a star, she was actually a prisoner that was a Starfleet officer. The rest of the prisoners were civilians. Ah. Which so is that is that kind of like putting a cop in jail? You you know you, <laughs> um, you know I mean literally you want to kind of like say you know uh, go get them or something. Yeah, I, I guess I mean it would be a bad idea either way. For real, I, I think I'd want to blend in. <laughs> exactly. But you but you notice in the initial conversation that she was having with the well the other prisoners were having, they were talking. They said, and we have our fellow Starfleet something. Or he said, what did you do? Come in, violate curfew or something? He was making a joke about her being in Starfleet. Uh, yeah, which is funny that we see that now it, everybody believes she's responsible for the war, which I really didn't get that. And that sentiment is kind of echoed throughout the episode. People think that she's the reason we're having this war with the Klingons, which if you want to be very, you know, picky about it, she killed the Klingon guy, but I don't in any way think that she is the reason we're at war with the Klingons right now. Well, we think that because we've actually seen it from the perspective of the Klingons. I mean, if you think about it as a person in the Federation that was not aboard the ship or not with Michael, all you know is they went to fix a space probe. She <laughs> insisted to take a trip and fly out to this. Hello? And, hear me? We, we lost you for a second there. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, it, it just seemed she assisted on going out to mess with this probe that she wasn't supposed to mess with. She was supposed to just fly by it, but she landed on it. And then her suggestion, suggestion after she got back was to target it. And I mean, from the outside looking in, she caused this to happen. No one knows why yeah. the Klingons really attacked other than what Takuma said at the very end. So, I mean, from the outside looking in, she did cause it. Yeah, and yeah, I agree just, with that. And, and things do tend to get conflated when they're so close together. They're really not causalities. We just know they happen pretty close, and they might have to do with each other. Maybe not, you know. Um, right. Just circumstances. But, yeah. And does 
And doesn't people or or don't people also kind of you know make the narration themselves? And if and if you know what Jonathan and I are saying, if that's what's true, that she was resigned to her fate and wasn't trying to you know either being suicidal or being just let me stay a prisoner or whatever, and she's not actively being a participant in it, she's not going to correct those who are who are. Uh, saying she's fault, I, I would think she would be embracing because she's punishing herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, so we're going to talk about the prisoners a little bit more, but, uh, we go and we see where, of course, the beacon on the hill discovery comes in, swoops in and saves them. And this is really our first best look at the ship and, I really thought I would not like the design of the ship when I first, you know, saw kind of the, the stuff online, but I have to say it is a really freaking cool ship, man. <laughs> what do you guys think about it? It is freaking awesome. And yeah, what, I agree. I, what I discovered through a little research, it's a Walker class ship, which was named after an astronaut in our actual space program in the early years of our space program. Ah, Cool. Yeah, I have to say yep. I love the the double ring saucer. That's a pretty unique, yeah. unique thing. It, it, again, at first I thought I would hate that, but just seeing it on screen, it looks fabulous. Yeah, it's just not your typical. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't look like another cookie cutter version of the Enterprise, and I think <laughs> I, I, that's what I like about it. Yeah, and it's interesting to think that it's because it's an experiment like a science vessel, quote unquote, uh, I would think maybe that would be a good idea. You know, if maybe all the experiments take, took place on the outer ring or. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cause you know, DS nine was set up like that. It's like the docking ring was on the outside. Then you had the habitat ring on the inside in case of anything happening on the docking ring, it wouldn't affect the ship as much. You know what I mean? So it kind of gives a separation. Yeah, man. Just my opinion. I, I mean, know. dude, that, that's an excellent explanation, dude. <laughs> and now that you mention that, it does echo the, the look of DS9 a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, wow. I didn't, man, good insight. Good insight. And so I guess we get the look at the shuttle bay for the first time, which looks nothing like anything on Star Trek we've ever seen. Looks more like something from Star, Star Wars or something. Um, but I, uh, by the same token, I thought it looked—I thought it looked fabulous. It was—it was good. I, I, the you know normal normal Star Trek docking bays always seem small, garage like type yeah. deal. <laughs> this was like way more warehouse. Like, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. It was more on a Star Wars scale, but it was pretty cool. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. It did. And, and, you know, it's funny that you guys are saying Star Wars because this is having to, for me, more and more Star Warsy feel. I know that's not a word, but, you know, <laughs> it has more of a Star Wars feel sometimes than Star Trek. And I'm not saying this, you know, that's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's partly due to the having the freedom with the budget to do things that are a little more grander, um, or more grand. So, I mean, I, I like it so far. I think the art, the style and art direction they're going with set design, it's, it's beautiful. Since you asked the, since you brought up the comment that you just said about the budget, do you mind if I ask a question that I had written down that I was going to try to interject to ask you guys at some point? Yeah. Cool. So here's my question. Cause this was, this was something that I was, uh, thinking about whenever, um, something was, I think it was whenever they were in the uh, shuttle pod uh, right before, you know, in the opening sequence and some of the comments that the one of the prisoners was making to her. I was sitting there thinking, OK, this, you know, s seems more like online where you're paying for it or you're, you know, it's, it would that have been cut by our, our watered down a little bit by network sensors on a Sunday night. And having said that, do we know if Netflix came first and or did Netflix come after their decision to put this online? Hmm. Excellent question. I, I don't I don't know. Do John, John, do you have any idea? <laughs> uh, I don't have a solid answer on that. Um, 
I know the director said that because it's on a paid service, he it was it allowed him to build characters the way he wanted. So like these these dark movie like scenes you're seeing on this episode is not really going to be the norm per se, but it he used that to kind of set build characters. Um, now, as far as what came first, Netflix or it, I'm not sure. I would assume because it is a CBS original that and they brokered a deal with Netflix afterwards. But don't quote me on that. I had to research it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I mean, because, you know, if I'm sitting here thinking about, all right, if I am wanting to promote this to an international audience, which that's what they're doing, if I, if I'm wanting to do that, you know, we, you know, Clarence, we've made comments about things we've watched that are British and Jonathan, I'm sure you've seen stuff that their, their standards there as what is normal television is not as prudish as it is, you know, in America. So, yeah. you know, even by that standard, if you're wanting to make it, um, you know, entertaining outside of it being Star Trek, you're going to have a little bit more of the darker elements, a little bit more of the adult elements. And I like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I mean, I'm happy about that, but I was just curious as to, you know, kind of where that came from. So cool. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, now we still haven't seen anything that's too inappropriate for network television. I'm, I, I'm still, you know, kind of processing it if they will actually go there. I, I don't, I don't know if they will. I don't know if they will. Um, maybe with this show being so different from traditional Star Trek already, maybe they'll table those ventures till like a later season to, to get a bit more either graphic or racy, you know? Yep. Cool. So one thing I want to mention about the shuttle bay scene before we move on, uh, does anybody remember Commander Landry from anything? She looks she very familiar. familiar. Yes, yes, yes. She was in Battlestar Galactica. Um, Tori Foster on there. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. That, all right. But, 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 but which, was she a Cylon? Yes, I think she did turn out to be a Cylon at the end, yeah. Yeah, she was one of the few Cylons. So the final five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I really like her playing a, a a bad a you know officer on this show. I think she really, really pulls pulls it off and has a few good quips in there as well. I thought were really really funny. Um, and a little more eye candy for the show. Not bad. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I really, I really liked her. And, um, to move on, uh, we get to the scene where, uh, Burnham is in the cafeteria and it's, and this is scene is so funny because it's typical, typical prison, prisoner, first time at the prison, you know, mess scene. She walks in and of course there's nowhere to sit down and she eventually settles with the prisoner she came in with and, I don't really understand why they had the gumption to jump her all of a sudden. That to me, that really didn't make any sense. Um, what, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that scene? It was one of my favorite scenes, just because I'm a martial arts fan. So the fight scene in it was awesome. And a lot of times, and especially in your sci-fi series, your fight scenes are not all that well choreographed. Uh, so it was pretty good and. I can get into that a little bit later, but I, I mean, it was, I think that was a frustration building up. I mean, everybody was upset with them because they lost a lot of upset with Michael because they lost a lot of friends and family in that initial attack from the cleaner. So, you know, everybody has some animosity built against her. I'm not sure what caused them to jump her right then. I don't know if that guy was just <laughs> being a dumb butt, but she kicked their butts. I know that. Yeah. That uh, Vulcan martial arts. Yeah. Now, See, what my, makes that Vulcan martial arts? I don't. It didn't look anything other than she was the almost Vulcan neck pinch thing at the end. Yeah. You know, my thing was, uh, yes, I did like the fight scene. I, you know, it was well choreographed. I looked at it more so as this is just an example for her to show off her skills. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I just saw it more so as a plot device. I get that. I can see, I can see that. And then, of course, next we go on to um, her actually having her first run-in with uh, Saru. 
And it looks like they're both like equally su- surprised and shocked to see each other, <laughs> which yeah. I which I thought was really cool. And yeah, it looks like Suru has uh, moved up the ranks. Yeah, I think he's going to be more of just a pawn, though. I think he needed a first officer that would just do what he says, regardless. So I don't know if he actually earned that promotion or he just fit that spot that uh, Captain needed. But it was good to see them together. That was a good interaction they had. See, I found the character a little bit more redeeming in uh, this episode because I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have cared in the last two if he was one of the ones that got, you know, X'd. And, what? you know, I, I, I much like the captain from the last two better than him. So I would have been fine with him being gone. But having said that, I actually liked him in this episode. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, John, that you mentioned that he may be more of a pawn or a, you know, somebody the captain can kind of run over. Cause, you know, the immediately next scene we see, uh, Lorca for the first time and this guy looks scary. He is the typical, well, I, I, I'll relate it to this. Recently on my job, we were doing some training and they actually showed a scene from the movie Patton. So I forget what actor it is, but it's that big speech where he's standing in front of the America flag, talk about how we're going to go out there and kick some butt for America. This, Lorca seems like that guy. <laughs> he seems like the guy that would do whatever it takes by any means necessary to win the war. And a scary guy, a scary guy. Yeah, he's... Uh, I- I don't know scary yet. Uh, I think oh, he's man, dude. <laughs> I like him. He's a strong character. I don't know scary yet. We'll see. I'm saying more so almost there's something and the word I'm just going to say the word that popped into my head. There he's there's something almost diabolical about him. Mad scientist. Yes, very much so. <laughs> That's actually even better than diabolical actually. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be good. I just, it's just hard for me to see where Saru fits into this ship, you know? Yeah. Like, out of all the people to take as your first officer, why Saru on a ship that's doing experimental science? And what? And you were actually, I think he mentioned that this ship was built specifically to win the war. I mean, why would you take a species that's known for being terrified? Yeah. Yeah. So let me take this opportunity to just, uh, interject the bit of feedback we got. Uh, guys, you can send feedback to fans at stdpodcast.com. And this is once again from Eric, uh, Hetherin- Hetherington from, uh, British Columbia, Canada. And he writes and he wrote a long email. I'm just reading, going to read part of it because it has something to do directly with Lorca, Lorca here. Uh, so he's, he writes, so Captain Lorca, is he for real? <laughs> <laughs> wow, scary dude. Dude has a Gorn skeleton and a dissected tribble. I'm guessing he has ties to or is possibly a charter member of Section 31. Now, um, and, and that's the end of the email. Now, I don't really know what Section 31 is. Uh, do you? Oh, uh, listen, you have to watch DS9. I don't know the exact episode, but it gives you a lot of insight into Section 31. Oh, I remember. And that. Yeah, that would explain the black name badges that the prisoners seen when they first came on, because the actual logo for Section 21 is like a Starfleet emblem, but it's all black. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia uh, or the Memory Alpha page right now. Yeah, I do remember this. I do remember this episode. Well, I don't. So give me a few tidbits. Uh, well, Section 31 came up a lot in one season of DS9, but a lot of it had to do with Julian Bashir because he was genetically enhanced. They thought that he could help Section 31 a lot. But Section 31, are you familiar with that at all, Cal? No. Okay. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen DS9, but it's been so many years that it's like so, I, I'm drawing a blank. So, so think of it as the NSA of Starfleet. Ah, right. Gotcha. I mean, it's gotcha. like this sect that nobody is really supposed to know about but that does shady things. <laughs> well, they're kind of on their own well, doing everything that's right for the Federation, you know, high, high council of the time Lords. Yeah, Check. exactly. <laughs> okay. Got you. 
and it's and it fits in because you know every every species, major species in uh, Star Trek canon has a section like this. So you have the Tal Shiar for the Romulans. Uh, the Cardassians have the Obsidian Order. Yeah. Uh, the Klingons have something I forgot what their name. I don't know if it was the Order Kalis or something crazy. So they all have these secret organizations. So Section Thirty One was supposedly come into play to combat those other organizations. Ah, got you. Interesting, interesting. Good stuff. Makes me want to go back and watch that. <laughs> you it, have I, to, I totally have because forgot one, about it. Yeah. One thing that they, they said is, you know, it, Starfleet needed Starfleet needed some people, like you said, that would defend the Federation, but were able to outs, operate outside of the laws and morality of Starfleet, which is why they're, they're said not to exist, but they do exist. And that's kind of where you can see Lorca is kind of building this ship to be. I mean, he, I think he says that it wants one part of another. They sent us to end this war by any means necessary or something along those lines. Yeah. So we very well could be seeing the inception of, of, of section 31 right here, which would be cool. Which would it, which would explain the the uh, weird stuff he has in his ready room and the site to site transport, which really shouldn't be possible in this timeline right now <laughs> with normal Starfleet. Yeah, timeline, and I want to actually talk about that a little bit later because I have theories. I do have theories. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, yeah. So um. Yeah, we have that conversation with Lorca and, um, we see where Burnham gets assigned to, um, engineering, but this looks like a very different engineering. Um, they called it something different. I can see if I have it written down here. I, I thought they called it engineering, but she got in there and was like this. It was basically said what you said. This is nothing well, like engineering that I've seen. They did, but they had some other little name for it. I'll find it later. Uh, but yeah, before- they did because when they, Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say she mentioned the name when she was going to walk into that uh, particular part of lab or something. And they said it was off limits. And she said something is never off classified as Starfleet. Yeah. And she said, I don't know what it was. So. Oh, oh, you know what? Before we get to engineering, I'm missing like the one of the best scenes. Where, well, I don't know best. The scene where she meets uh so, uh, Tully, Tilly for the first time, which well, that, I wouldn't call it the best. Well, no. well, well, one of the most <laughs> awkward scenes, maybe even the most awkward scene I've ever seen in the Star Trek episode. So I'm gonna play a clip of that real quick. This is so neat. They, uh, they told me because of my special needs that I couldn't have a roommate, which was kind of a letdown because a roommate is like an automatic built in friend and. And then they told me that I was going to have a roommate, and so now I, I guess that's you. And um, um, hi, I'm I'm Cadet Sylvia Tilly. I talk when I'm nervous. Um, my instructors advised me to work on that. Why are you nervous? I'm trying to decide if I should tell you that you took my bed. Seriously? <laughs> I know they look the same, but um, I, I'm allergic to polyester and viscoelastic polyurethane foam. It results in chronic snoring. This is why I wasn't supposed to have a, a roommate. No problem. So, what the heck? <laughs> this scene. Does she get killed off anytime soon? <laughs> Be nice. Dude. No, seriously. Uh, think... Does she get killed off anytime soon? Oh, man. She does not. They're going to make her a. Uh, they're going to actually grow her character as well. Yeah. She's going to be a part of this experiment that they got going on. Ah. Can they experiment on her anytime soon? <laughs> yeah. so, super green. Um, this scene took me totally out of the episode. I was, I honestly, this was one of two scenes in this episode that I was like, what the heck am I watching? And for the first time out of all the three of the episodes, I was like, okay, this does not feel like Star Trek. This is so awkward. Really? It was just weird, man. Just so weird. I put it along the lines of uh, like watching the episodes of Star Trek when uh, Luxana Troy was in them. Ah, <laughs> but she was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was just feel awkward. It was just made. 
Yeah. Oh, poor Picard. Yeah. <laughs> mm, no, she was just, and, and, and you know, I may be sitting here, uh, a year from now when we're talking about se- series two or season two or whatever it's called, um, and say, Oh, she's my favorite character, but can they experiment on her, please? Oh, cause <laughs> like, 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 you know, like, so, you know, do something to her mouth and like, Oh, you know, come on, cow. Be nice. Be nice. I'm sorry. That character, uh, was irritated. I mean, she just did, irritated me. That's, that's just the, that's what she, the role she had to play from the beginning. But like John said, okay. ho- hopefully we'll see her grow through the years. And, and yeah, you know, that, that might be cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, chill. Uh, yeah. And he, go ahead. The director has said many times, uh, that a lot of these first episodes we're watching, they're spending, I mean, because it's on a paid service, they're allowed more time to spend building characters. And that's really, he wants to build a lot of these characters, like from beginning to end, not like just place them there and say, this is what it is. That way it kind of puts you behind a character. A lot like we did on, we seen on DS9. I mean, you can watch Captain Cisco go from, what he was in the beginning of not really caring, kind of done with Starfleet, you know, to being like, to me, in my opinion, the greatest leader in Starfleet. Oh, so, man. I mean, that, you, you, you have something to look forward to. Now, what she becomes, I have no idea. I and mean, maybe she hinted to it when she said, because I don't really understand why they would put this, you know, her line, you know, I'm going to be a captain one day. Yeah. I mean, why was that important to be there unless it was setting up for something? Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Oh man. Mentioning that, that, uh, Captain Cisco at the beginning, one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek, when, when he and Picard have it out in that first episode. So good. (laughs) Yeah. That was good. Oh man. I've never seen anybody talk to Picard like that. (laughs) I haven't either. And Picard kind of backed off of it a little bit. I mean, he still did his job as Starfleet captain, but I mean, he kind of backed off of it. He didn't. Cisco wasn't a pushover. Oh man, that was, that was really good. That was really good. But yeah, okay. I, I guess, oh, black alert, black alert. We had that during this scene. Um, wow. The first time we've had a black alert ever that I know. That's of. what I was going to ask you guys. If, is that ever happened? You know, it's a blue alert and red alert and yellow is all I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. First time for a black, which, um, Man, weird things going on during the black alert. This condensation looking stuff hovering and, and, and instantly Burnham, which is again, playing to her Vulcan tendencies is being like the ultra detective. You know, this starts her mind racing and she's going 90 to nothing in her mind thinking of what is the frack is going on here. <laughs> Nice Galactica here. Absolutely. <laughs> Franken Cylons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Black Alert. Uh, I liked it. I just, I don't know what, in in sci-fi and the color black always goes together. I don't know why. It's just <laughs> always awesome. <laughs> but it, it, it was a, it was good. It was very suspenseful and I liked it. <laughs> but. But. <laughs> But it was, I don't know. It just, I mean, I liked it. I just, I just, I don't think right then would have been a good place for it. You think it was just pandering or you just didn't like it at all? I mean, I, I mean, I did like, I liked the concept, but I, I, you know, I was expecting a lot more from it. You know what I mean? We got some floating bubbles. That wasn't enough for you? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> really? We got the spaceship wet. Yay. <laughs> got the spaceship. Okay, that was funnier to me than it should have been. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what was the uh, was it supposed to be like condensation in the air, well, like I, causing water, or did the water was the water already there and it just kind of got suspended? Or all right, well, let me ask you guys this: if you sit here and you think about red alert, if they go on red alert. That means, okay, we've got to do something because of something. Whatever something and doing is, is. Well, black, you know, this black alert is let's, let's all go to sleep or let's all hover in our beds. I mean, well, I mean, they, 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 they explained it later on. What Lorca actually says was actually going on during these black alerts. We find out, you know, uh, 
that is due to these tests with these spores. So I don't know what we're seeing is like the spores hovering or just water. I'm still a little unsure on that part. Well, I know it was, I think they did mention that when the black, it was a black alert because they were actually traveling in that using the spores. Yes. Yes. So, Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Interesting. Okay, John, I lost you for a second, man. Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're back. You're back. Okay, sorry. Had a black alert. <laughs> well, that means you rolled over and went to sleep. Okay, no, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I guess I, we we've eventually got the engineering, and we see where um, Burnham is looking for Stamets, and um, he assigns her a um. Of course, he ha- he assigns her some coding to do, and she actually has a converse. He has a conversation with his friend that's over on the Glen, which we find out is the sister ship to the Discovery, same model, make, and has the same is doing the same research. And and Burnham, you know, has these burning questions: What type of vessel is this? Is this a research vessel? What's going on? What are we really doing here? And um. Yeah, she just has questions, even when it gets down to her doing her little coding thing to to try to fix up some code. She just can't stop being this ultra investigator sleuth slash person that she is. Um, just Vulcan tendencies, I guess, with mixed with the human. She's just, you know, curious, ultra curious. Mm, I could go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. I wouldn't you be though? I mean, you're one minute you're heading to prison, and next minute you're in a black alert and water is floating. I mean, you <laughs> would have to be curious. Yeah. At least. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, my my thing with this was from the very beginning. It was like, okay, something, everything, and 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 it's something which. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but coincidence for coincidence' sake is nothing. Meaning, I mean, coincidence for coincidence sake pretty much says it's no coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think another thing that makes her so on alert is that her being, you know, decorated, well, not decorated, very high, you know, she was a first officer. So she knows protocol. She sees whenever something is, is out of place, you know, she's been trained to do that. So when she sees things not going as, you know, she knows they should be going, she starts asking questions and, and it starts her mind erasing to, 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 um, try to figure out what the heck is going on, which let me say right now, uh, breath entry is the worst invention ever in all of Star Trek. I'm sorry. Oh. It is so dumb. Oh my goodness. What is? Yeah, that was awful. Oh, oh breath. In- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The breath entry thing, or yeah, that was stupid. That oh, what? Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah, that kind of that kind of you know we're we're on this ship and we're all in shock and awe and all of the new and (laughs) high tech, and then we go blow our breath into a hole (laughs) and open doors. Plot device. (laughs) It is is rough. I don't know. And maybe they were using that as a way to kind of downplay the tech so it can kind of keep it in timeline. Yeah, that. But it was a terrible attempt, I think. Yeah, just go with what we know. Make it fingerprint. Even if she has to go put a piece of tape on a girl's finger and and mold a fake thumb. I don't know. It's better than the breath stuff. Ooh, let me put this rag on her while she sleep and then get in. No. Because I mean. Right now, today, at my job, we clock in using fingerprints. <laughs> you mean to tell me in 2259 or whatever the date is, we're using breath? We've digressed to breath? It, no, no, okay, okay, all right, here's the deal. They want to make sure that whoever in there is not intoxicated, so it's a breathalyzer door opener. <laughs> but how can you be intoxicated? But the, the I don't know, but it, that makes as much sense as a breath door, okay? Breath door. <laughs> Hashtag and we never hear about door. a brush in their teeth, so there has to be a bad situation. <laughs> oh, well, if you suck in instead of breathing out, I'm just saying. <laughs> <sighs> that's what she said. Oh, gosh. 
<laughs> oh, so here we go, guys. We're gonna we're gonna fast forward, go a little further in the story, and uh, we eventually come to the point to the point where uh, we find out the the Glen has been destroyed, and Lorca announces that we're sending a party over there to get whatever research we have left and 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 um, investigate a bit. Well, can I can I can I inter- interject something real quick? Just sure. one quick Go for point. It. Um, the someone who watches these episodes a lot closer than we do noticed that this string of code was actually a hacker's code used by our actual U.S. government uh, to try to hack into Iran's nuclear missile systems. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not it's the, crazy. Is that the Stuxnet and, code? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, I wow. forgot the name okay, of it. Well, well, wasn't somebody also saying that this was uh, being run on Windows too? Well, they were saying that code was specifically designed ah. designed on Windows, and because of the way that it was laid out on the screen, she was looking at it. Only could have been laid out that way on a Windows system. Wow. Yeah, Stuxnet was an attack on an Iran nuclear nuclear power plant. Um, wow, I didn't man, that's a good find. Who who knows that? <laughs> wow. I, matter of fact, I uploaded a link earlier today to. Uh, yeah, I think I saw it. I'll post it in the show notes. Uh, and the fact that you found that, Jonathan, not that you didn't uh, deserve it before, but I think you, if if there were any doubts that you are called the Trek Storian. Uh, my friend, you just uh, validated that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. And now the debate is whether or not that code was actually anything important or was it just his way of testing her skills? Huh. I don't know. seems like Stamets was pretty adamant on not having her in Exactly. Tow. So I, I have a feeling it, it wasn't a test from him. Um, and did you know that, uh, what's the guy's name? I forget what is Stamets. Is that what you're saying? Stamets. S-D-A-M-E-T-S. He's named after an actual scientist at, uh, I think he's at, uh, Berkeley. I'm not sure. Uh, but he's, well, he's in mycology department, which is the study of fungi. So a lot of this is actually based in real science. Yeah, yeah, I found that pretty interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was pretty cool. I, I have to give them their props for that. That was pretty awesome. Though I'm, uh, we got we got to talk about this spore stuff a little later because I have, again, I have predictions. <laughs> you don't want to spore us for that. <laughs> so sporing. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, we 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 move on towards the Mets and Burnham is in a shuttle headed to headed to the Glen. And, uh, man, he kind of turns on Burnham and just like unleashes, <laughs> like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. And he goes into <laughs> this, uh, physics as biology and spore speech thingy. And he is like, he, I don't think he's happy. First of all, that Burnham is as sharp as he is. And then again, he might still be upset with, you know, his friends that got killed on the Glen. So. Um, yeah, and he just got humiliated in front of everybody. Don't forget that too. Oh yeah, Lorca. Oh, yeah. Him and Lorca have some animosity, dude. Those guys do not like each other. And that was a good scene to point out that uh, you know when Saru actually went to bat for Michael, and like Kyle said, it kind of embarrassed him because you know he said he asked he asked Saru his opinion, and Saru said she's the smartest snarfied officer I know. And Lorca was like, and he knows, he knows you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lorca's just rubbing it in, man. Jeez. Yeah, so. Yeah, but see, think about it. He had to, like, recoup some of his cred because he had, like, like we were just saying, he just got, well, he just got deballed in front of everybody. <laughs> and so he had to, you know, make up a little bit, uh, because, you know, here's this convict that, is basically being said knows more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was interesting. Interesting scene. Yeah. And it seems like he's kind of upset with Lorca because Lorca's holding him back from experimenting at like the full potential of what they're trying to do. 
like their sistership had already been, I forgot what great word they use, but like they've traveled at 900 something crazies. I don't remember. And they were only at like 50. Yeah. And he kind of blamed that on, well, his best friend said, kind of mentioned that Lorca was holding him back. Yeah. I mean, well, it's just like he's him and his friend have created this great technology and, you know, Lorca and, and Starfleet are at this point in this war, they're going to win by any means necessary. And it seems like you said, he's, he's, he doesn't want to be there yet. And still he's there and has to do this research and it's all in an effort to win this war. And he would, seems like would rather be doing something else. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, from there we get to the scene where they actually go on to Glenn, which this was probably the least best part of the episode to me. Semi-interesting. It was more of a, a ghost ship type vibe. Um, but you know, they go on the ship, they retrieve information. Uh, they meet this baddie, this, this beast of some type. Um, they meet Klingons on the ship as well, which it seems the Klingons are there to retrieve the information as well. But of course, running into this, this beast, which I don't know if they ever really explain how the beast got there or where it came from or what it is. Um, but it, it was, you know, I'll use Cal's words, plot device to, <laughs> to actually drum up some, uh, tension on the ship. Now, did it not to you guys seem like that creature looked a lot like the creatures that Michael and, uh, the captain were helping in the very first scene of the very first episode? Wow. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Cause I mean, I'm looking at when it kind of like, came up a little bit and he had like the little mouth come out like a slug type deal and tentacles. Well, that was the same as those creatures. Well, after they busted a hole in the well, those creatures that came to the well, they kind of looked that same way. Huh? It could be, it could be, I wouldn't rule that out. I it just, I didn't catch it at the time. <laughs> I had to go back and watch. Uh, but yeah, I, I mentioned my first worst scene in this episode, but this is, Another one when Burnham is actually crawling through the Jeffrey's tubes, uh, which I thought was cool in itself. But come on, guys. Why does she have to be reciting Alice in Wonderland while she was stammering through the Jeffrey's tubes? I just did not like that at all. Um, maybe it's just me. Uh, it, it just felt no, weird. No, not just you. I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> and you know what sucks? It's on the, I, guess, I don't know if it's just on the five ninety nine tier of CBS All Access or not, but you can't rewind. You can't go back. What? So, like, or either maybe I was having technical difficulties, but every time I try to take it back, it like the little place bar would drag back. But then when I let it go, it would go back to where I started from, where it was previously at. So, I would. If I kept doing it, I would keep missing more and more of the show. But I was trying to go back to hear what she was saying. So eventually, after my second time watching the episode, I actually heard what she was saying. And I was very disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're using it to set up something. But it was just it's like they kind of threw it in last minute. Well, uh, to to me, it feels like they just used that moment for her to quote those words. So we can have the setup we see in the end with her and Tilly talking about Amanda and uh, Spock, you know, being read that book from Amanda to them, to, to them as kids. So I think that was just a setup for those moments. Maybe we'll see it more throughout the series, but I think that's the only reason they did it. So they have this moment where they mention, mention, uh, Spock's mother and Spock along with, you know, Burnham being in the fold with them, you know. It was completely out of character for her, though. I really didn't like that at all. And must I say, I I thought she was going to come up with something drastically more (laughs) exciting than climbing through Jeffrey's tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're at the beginning here. We're three episodes in. I, I know. I mean, we we have to be critical. I mean, this you're following a long line of great shows. I mean, yeah. we have to hold them to a certain standard. And hopefully, like, I mean, the director keeps saying, just wait. We're building. We're doing a lot of character building. We're doing a lot of setup here. So and I know we keep saying it over and over. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll see. It's coming to something. But that was just, like you said, that was 
probably my worst yeah. scene since we started. Yeah, that that definitely mm. was a bad call. Mm. Kyle? No, I was just going to say the worst scene was uh never mind, I'm going to I'm going to leave that poor girl alone. Never mind. Oh. I was going to say something else about Tilly or T- Tally or whatever the hell her name was. Uh, I'm 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 going to leave her be. Get off your soapbox, man. <laughs> but anyway, and of course we're we're moving along a little bit further. We get to the scene where we eventually see where Lorca, Lorca is trying to convince Burnham to actually stay on the ship. We all knew this was coming. The name of the show is Discovery, and of course Burnham will be on the ship. So uh we get the scene we all knew were coming and and yeah, yeah. Um I love that man, that interaction between Burnham and Lorca at the end where Burnham is giving Lorca her her conviction, her conviction about being a Starfleet officer. And she senses all this shady things going on. And like we said with uh, Saru, she kind of doesn't want to be a pawn in his game, Um, you know, her to be the scapegoat, so to speak, for this research that's going on. And, yeah, she's not having it. She's not having it. And I want to read this little quote that I wrote down from her little monologue. Uh, she says, uh, it is by the principles of the United Federations of Planets I live and by them I will most certainly die. I didn't quite know what to make of it. I mean, and I'm, and I say that as I trust Burnham. I mean, I, I feel like we've been with the character long enough to kind of understand some of her motivations. The captain, on the other hand, totally, you know, don't have any ideas of his motivation. So I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to take his response to what she said, not necessarily her motivations or what she was thinking and why she said what she said. I'm just saying I didn't, I didn't know how to read his reaction. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think he's just like, the the any mean means necessary guy uh he really wants her and he thinks he can use her to some benefit you know i just my, my whole thing with Lorca, i just hope he doesn't end up being like a shady guy you know like we we know he's dark we know he'll do anything he can to win but i just want him to still be to 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 fall somewhere on this side of good by the end of this <laughs> I don't, I don't want him to wind up being the, this person who goes too far and, you know, um, I don't know. I think there needs to be a measure of morals somewhere in what he's doing as a Starfleet fleet captain. And I think that's so opposed to what we saw with, uh, Georgia, Giorgio, where she, Giorgio, where she is so much textbook Starfleet captain. And then we're just like, getting this shot in the face of Lorca, which is just so freaking different. So different from any captain we've seen. I don't okay, know. Okay. So can I make a, I mean, can I make a prediction? Yeah. Yeah. What you got? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to predict, and I may even include, uh, annoying girl, uh, in, in this prediction, but I think at, by maybe by the finale or maybe even if they break this up and have a mini se- season cliffhanger, <laughs> I have a feeling that there is going to be a another round of mutiny uh and that Sar- Saru or whatever his name is and uh Michael and Anorian girl will be teamed up together. That's just my prediction. Wow. What a, what a re- redemption that would be. <laughs> Where and that will be that will be a great setup to give Michael back a command. Yeah. Yeah. True. I hadn't thought about that. Because what if he is really renegade and no one knows that he he is and he's re- literally uh, they are uh, operating outside of Starfleet? Because if you notice, we did not communicate with Starfleet any time during this episode. Yeah. Yeah. He has the golden ticket. He has, you know, free reign, <laughs> which is just crazy when you talk about something like Starfleet. You know, those which they're always bound by rules and you have this one guy who can do anything he can to win this war. And, you know, the, the idea of, um, what Burnham thinks is, you know, biological weapons. She, she states that, you know, you can't, you know, it's not right to use these things, which we find out, um, 
later on that this sport technology is not really about weapons. It's about travel. It's about being in certain places, strategic places to actually win the war. And she steps into this room and she is seemingly instantly transported to different planets uh, in, in the blink of an eye. And yeah, so I'm thinking where they're going with this is, uh, and we can get you guys opinion as well, but I think they're going with this, this technology of travel where they basically can be anywhere, anywhere they want to in an instant. And that is freaking powerful. It is. It, it, it really is. It's just, I mean, we, we know for a fact that that technology will not exist. Exactly. Yeah. Past this series. So there's going to be a problem with it somewhere along the lines. But I mean, I like the idea. It's an awesome idea. Yeah. So it begs the question. I don't mean to interrupt, but it begs, yeah. begs the question again as to, why did we not put this in the future? Okay, I got, I got, I got some theories, and I'm finna. I've been, I've been teasing the whole episode. I'm finna, okay. I'm finna get my All theories. Right. But first, I want to mention that there's this show on the Sci-Fi Channel called Dark Matter. They have, I love it. They have this device it. called the Blink Drive, and guess what they can do with the Blink Drives, folks? They Blink. can, they can go anywhere they want to in an instant. So right. this poor technology is basically the blink drive off, off dark matter. Yeah. They're doing that right huh. now. <laughs> wow. That that's awesome. I didn't, I, that never occurred to me. Yeah. So, okay. I've got a thought here, but, but, but I don't want to ruin your okay. uh, speculation. So keep going. Okay. Well, let me go to my theories. Okay. Well, my theory, I have a feeling and this would interest Kyle, of course. And I think this is how this series is going to actually play into the canon we know from Star Trek. Okay. This drive or this sport technology is not going to only be about space, but I have a feeling it's going to be about time as well. So you're saying, if I understand you correct, that um, these spores can somehow make an impact on time? But not only time, but also and maybe relative to that dimensions and <laughs> perhaps space. Yes, yes. So basically we're saying uh, Star Trek has TARDIS technology. That's what we're saying. But, <laughs> okay. But I, I know I have, I, that's just my friend's theory, but I have a feeling they're going to be able to travel in time. And my theory is that this show is going to have something to do with the temporal prime directive before it's over with. Just my guess. And that, that might be how everything turns back to the Star Trek. We know it by the end. Maybe, maybe. Well, we, we do know there's going to be an episode in the first season where a mirror universe is in play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so know. That may help it. Yeah. That's just my shot in the okay. dark theory. All right. So <laughs> that mirror universe will be where the captain didn't die. I'm making. I, I must be like, uh, I must have breathed in some spores and feeling, you know, like psychic tonight. But, 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 but that just came to me. That's Captain George out of you, Kyle. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Captain Lady. No, awesome. Annoying girl, Captain Lady. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm on a roll. Sorry. All right, guys. I think we've exhausted this episode. Any, any final thoughts from you guys? I like your theory. <laughs> of course you would. TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? A um, couple of notes to know, uh, just things I found. They, the producers are calling the area where you see the Gorn and the Tribble and all the dissected Tribble and also a, uh, a Vole. I think he did a dissected Vole. But that's his, it's a room separate from his captain's ready room that the producers are calling Lorca's Menagerie. Oh God. <laughs> oh boy. I was, I was just calling it the Lorca Museum, but Menagerie works too, I guess. <laughs> what we haven't touched on guys is why does he have the thing on the ship? Oh yeah. The, 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 the snail, super snail thing. He transported it from that ship to his ship and it's behind some kind of reinforced glass. <sighs> like I said, Lorca crazy. <laughs> and Cylon woman was in on it too. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, that, that was interesting. interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know, man. It's dude. <laughs> this guy. But, but you know what I do know? I like the fact that this is unlike. This is not cookie cutter Star Trek. And, and, and any Star Trek fan out there listening, I'm not, uh, you know, disrespecting Star Trek in any shape, form, or fashion by saying that. But this is something so not what I was expecting, and 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 I say that in a very good way. Yeah, and I think it brings, it brings new viewers in. People that were never into Star Trek will be into this. And the directors are saying that you know part of part of the reason why they're doing this like this is for that reason. I mean, they're still going to bring it back around to the canon that all Trekkies know and love. But I mean, I, I like I like the way it's going. <clears throat> a little more dark than I'm used to, but I like it. Yeah, I think what's cool about it as well. Um, you know, as much as I loved or still love the the series of old, I can't say there were things that happened that just really shocked me. You know. That I had right. no no idea where they were going, but man, this show I just have no freaking clue. <laughs> I have no clue. Dude. And does that not just make it even more? Well, the 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 it increases your enjoyment of watching each episode because you there's there's nothing in these characters that you know other than uh, Spock's father that we've seen that have just that has to stay around. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it fun. It keeps it fresh and keeps our eyes glued on, 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 on the screen. Yeah. I'm, I'm just can't wait for the next one. I have noticed too, that that is being uh digital, but it's not all available. I'm having to get used to that. Oh, I watch it, but I wait a week, but it's on digital. What? So I'm, I'm getting used <laughs> to that. Cause you know, we're used to the Netflix binge worthy shows and it's just a little bit different, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to it. And, and man, just enjoying it, John. What is it? It, it, I I do enjoy it, and it gives you time. I mean, because it's not episode after episode, I, it kind of makes me want to go back and watch the episode again. And I've every time I've watched all three episodes twice now, and every time I've gone back to watch it, I've seen something else I didn't notice in the beginning, which is a great thing. And then this show is full of Easter eggs, which we've touched on a lot, and some we haven't. But it uh, it just makes it fun that way. I think the suspense is what's making it great for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now guys. I do want to mention on just kind of a side note here. Yeah. Uh, thanks good. to our recent feedback. I don't know if it's the most recent feedback or the one before that. He was mentioning about our discussion on why the Klingons look the way they do now compared to in the future, and. I completely forgotten about those episodes in Enterprise, which I'm going to go back and watch, which hopefully we can have time to discuss in our next episode. But I kind of did some reading on it, and our lovely Dr. Phlox had a lot to do with it. Ah, really? Good old Phlox. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Phlox. So that'll be something interesting to hear. You can expect to hear from me on our next episode if we have time. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And that, that, I think the feedback came again from Eric in Vancouver. So thanks again, Eric, for the feedback. And yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, good insight. Good insight. So guys, we're going to wrap this thing up and, uh, get a little parting gifts. Cal, what you up to, man? Well, other than being on here with you guys, uh, and as I was talking about earlier, also you can find uh, Clarence and I, along with our friend Lee, on Discussing Who. You can go to discussingwho.com backslash subscribe and also find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash discussing who. And Clarence, I think you're on something else called Techpedition. Is that not correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can check out me and my brother on the Tech Petition podcast, where we talk about general tech, all things tech, anime. We're a little all over the place, but it's always a fun show. So come in and join us. We recently had Mark Wells from Dice Junkies on. So yeah, give us a listen over there at techpetition.com. And, uh, yeah, and John, yeah, we're going to be expecting those, those reviews of, um, those enterprise episodes from you coming up, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, kind of go back in because I'm in the middle of my fourth or fifth round of DS9 now. Oh, wow. So I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably stop that and go back into Voyager. 
so yeah, we can expect that uh, here sooner or later. Cool, cool, cool. Well, guys, uh, I guess that's it for the show. Again, you can send us feedback at fans at stdpodcast.com. Uh, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes because all of that helps. And yeah, again, just thanks for listening. And uh, we can't wait for the next episode, which I had the title here somewhere. Let me get it for you. Yeah, the next episode is The Butcher Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Wow, that's pretty weird, weird, and <laughs> weird. Getting darker, getting darker. <laughs> oh, hey, boy. I also want to throw out there, guys, anyone listening to us and downloading our podcast, our wonderful fans out there, try to, uh, you know, hit us up on Facebook. Let us know what you think about our shows there. I'm constantly monitoring that page. So we'd like to have a nice conversation on Facebook on our page. Yeah, guys. And that is at facebook.com slash STD podcast. And guys, once again, thanks for joining. And yeah, we are out of here. Live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe. <laughs>